Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is August the 21st. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin i'm offended by selling buying over crying one bitcoin equals one bitcoin remember that we're going to talk about that in a second we got boris has made his uh triumphant return guy swan is back introducing tommy yeah he's over at bitcoin magazine he's going to add some new flavor to this show okay so only a few hours before this show started, about four hours before I, I saw this tweet out there. Breaking news. Breaking news for you impulsive people without long-term thinking. This is from Dave Portnoy, who, again, he spread the word about Bitcoin, but uh, he really couldn't keep his hands on that Bitcoin. Could he? Could he? I currently own zero Bitcoins. Whoa. I will <laughs> I will wait and watch. I lost 25000 I assume he means $25,000. Just like with the stock market, it took my brain time to figure it out. I know this, the link Marines, the chain link Marines, are weak and the orchard flowers do die in the crypto world. May or may not be done. Bitcoin. All right. So, uh, yeah, he, he diversified for the sake of diversification into orchard and, and link or whatever. The, I can't even say there's things without vomiting. But so let's uh, – <laughs> <laughs> this is everyone knows yeah. what I preach. Everybody knows what I preach on this show. It's it's long term thinking. It's strong hand. You can be a trader. You can be a trader, and this is what happened. So, uh, Boris, your thoughts on this? Just the overall picture, because I Dave Portney's been in the Bitcoin news what for two weeks now. He's gone from the highest of heights to the lowest of lows, the Winklevi to the trading of nonsense. What, what's up with that, Boris? Yeah, when, when Dave uh, became famous, it was because of the lockdown and he started basically live streaming his, his stock market trades. And it was just a matter of time before he discovered Bitcoin and uh, altcoin trading. And exactly that's what happened. Uh, I think the Winklevi brothers, he, he, um, he invited them uh, in his home to explain Bitcoin to him. And it was uh, basically from there on, you could see it coming from a mile away. It was a train wreck waiting to happen. Uh, not just because of him. Um, this is basically in 2015, everybody was like that. In 2017, everybody was like that. You, Everybody was trading uh, these, these altcoins. And what I like about Dave, and I must give him a little bit of credit for that, is that he's honest about it. I know so many I mean, traders that have lost everything and are still pretending that they're rich and made a lot of money. But Dave, he just he just confessed to it. He said, I lost 25,000. He couldn't have lost it on Bitcoin in a week because Bitcoin didn't uh, go down uh, 10%. And he said that he bought originally uh, like $200,000 worth of Bitcoin. Uh, so it must have been the altcoins. And uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> this is what happens when you trade Bitcoin. Will people learn a lesson from this? I hope so. I mean, this guy is huge. He's, he's got a million and a half followers on Twitter. So this example, I mean, all these Bitcoiners are all over it. Just basically because this is what everybody's been saying. Like, If you trade Bitcoin, you're going to lose Bitcoin. And uh, you might even make some dollars or euros if you're lucky, but you're going to lose your Bitcoin. And that, uh, yeah, Dave Portnoy did that. I mean, a week ago, he had uh, 200,000 worth of Bitcoin, and now he has uh, $175,000, and that's all in fiat. That's a very valuable lesson. Um, on the other hand, most of us come into this scene uh, hoping to get rich. They come for the speculative side of Bitcoin, uh, and that's when you start to learn. So hopefully this guy uh, learns fast and buys some Bitcoin back. I mean, he can spare $25,000. does not matter. Yeah, I, think he, I think he will learn. I don't know about his followers out there. Hey, before we go on to what uh, Tommy thinks about this, I got to say in the, in the super chat, we got support from Ken Bozak, who says, pound that like button. And Robert Harderbeck, great to see them there. Ken, you got to come back on the show pretty soon. We miss you here. All right. But, hey, it's time for the new guy to say what's up. Tommy, tell us, what's your take on this whole situation? Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, the Portnoy stuff. I, I mean, I'm 
I'm not like a huge Portnoy follower, Barstool follower. I know he's got some some uh, crazy uh, hardcore fans there. So it was it was definitely interesting to see him get into Bitcoin. But it was pretty clear from the start and from the from the Winklevi video that he wasn't really there to understand Bitcoin or to or to or he, he it was clear that he didn't understand Bitcoin and he wasn't really trying to understand it. Uh, other than to just make make some money, so I, I always thought like you know if Bitcoin went to fifteen k, he probably would have sold there. Uh, you know, like he he's he wasn't in it for the for the long haul at this at this point. So I'm not surprised to uh, to hear him uh, say you know rage quit at this point, especially if he was dabbling in in uh, what orchid. I don't even know what orchid is. Uh, <laughs> yes, but. Uh, I mean, I'm not even kidding. I've never even heard of that. No, no, it's but. good, good. I love that. That, that, that's the way. I, I hardly know what it is either, dude. I, 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 when people tell me they know what it is, I don't, th I don't think that's a good thing to know what that is. But, but right. continue. <laughs> right. Oh no, I mean, I, I'm just not surprised by how it all played out. I think uh, if if Bitcoin had pumped a little bit more, he probably would have sold it all and, and claimed to have. Uh, to have figured it all out and uh you know made his his riches in bitcoin and, and left anyways so i think you know uh he, he it's pretty clear he's he's got a little bit of a learning about the uh philosophical things behind bitcoin and not just the uh, pump and dump uh side of things so uh not surprised by how it played out well he is continuing to play his impulsive character very well if that is if it's just an act well, he's a good actor. He's acting quite impulsive with all, all all what's going on. Still, I always look on the bright side, and I didn't think it would happen this fast that he would lose a lot of money this fast. But uh, I I uh, underestimated him, I guess. All right, uh, uh, Guy Swan, what's your take? Uh, basically, basically said it all is that there was nothing surprising about this. Um, like, like Portnoy in particular is like one of those people that like, he's not a Paul Tudor Jones. Like he's not looking like at the macro environment and trying to find some sort of long-term position in something like he goes on and he spews about what he's buying this week and what he sold two days ago. Like he's a trader through and through. And what's funny, like when you watch his video on Twitter and when you kind of watch the conversation with the Winklevoss twins, which I thought was like really cringy, like it was really bad i felt like they didn't do a good job of explaining anything at all or laying out any of the fundamentals of why it might be important to be invested in bitcoin um but you know that's that's a whole nother story uh but even when he was just talking about it he he, he basically said in the video like he completely equated bitcoin with any and everything that he was investing in crypto like, like he yeah. seems to think they're one thing. Like he said, I have zero Bitcoin. I'm in this. I lost twenty five thousand uh, dollars. Where's the chain link Marines? Uh, <laughs> chain link is ridiculous. So I don't understand this Bitcoin thing. Like, like he literally just said, I don't have any Bitcoin. I lost money on chain link. I don't understand Bitcoin as if that like chain link was just like a piece of Bitcoin that he bought, you know, like it just completely fundamentally has no idea what the hell he's doing um and so duh you know like this is this is the this is the course of everybody who gets into crap tokens is that they they come in they think oh here's this fancy new thing oh here are the ones that are moving a whole lot i'm gonna buy it oh now i'm gonna sell it because i'm losing money what the hell's going on Oh, it's volatile. Oh, now I'm going to buy because it's shooting back. You just start chasing green candles and you do that 20 times and you have your you have your butt handed to you like 50 different times. And then you're at the peak of the hype and you're like, holy crap, how did I miss Bitcoin going from a thousand to twenty thousand dollars during this entire period? And then you finally stop and you look at it and you go, all right, so maybe I should actually learn something about Bitcoin. And I feel like that's what he's going to do. And it'll happen when Bitcoin's 150 grand. Uh, but more importantly than anything is that one and a half million followers are yeah, now going to watch when Bitcoin goes to 14K to 15K to 20K. And they're going to wonder what in the hell is going on. Um, yeah. And it's just going to be in their mind. And they're going to, and some of them are going to go, maybe I should learn about it before all of this happens. Um, so it, it'll be a introduction into 
it, it's planted a seed in a lot of people's minds, despite the fact that he couldn't have uh, anything but the worst perspective on it. Uh, it seems like, but yeah, yeah, such as such as the entrance into crypto most of the time. He he definitely laid the foundation for some people. Hopefully, he laid the foundation for himself. Uh, and that attitude that he had, or the confusion that he had, that linked is is or chain link is a part of Bitcoin. This is probably quite common among traders, and, and they don't know what they're trading. They don't. So I mean, I want to ask you, guy, do you think at this point, Dave Portnoy, who was handling hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin, we can agree on that. Do you think he knows how to send a Bitcoin off of an exchange? Probably not. I doubt it. No, I, I, I could ask. I, I agree strongly with that. And that's why on my on this show, I often talk about a skill to have is to know how to send a Bitcoin. And there are so many people in this space that do not have that one skill that we all take for granted. Uh, and so that's why those people that don't have that skill, they're going to say all sorts of things like, I want to buy the Litecoin version of Bitcoin. And it is, just, you know, you're going to hear. So there, it's, it's a learning curve and people, some people jump into it so fast and it's about, it's impulsivity. It's the, it's the, uh, the, the adrenaline rush of the trader, of the day trading. It's not about, it's more, oh, Dave Portnoy is more about day trading than, you know, what he's actually trading. I mean, about the underlying asset. And so sadly, most of his, uh, followers are like that too but hey maybe we'll get some impulsive converts maybe there'll be some long-term thinkers born out of this who knows uh do, before we move on for day port like, does anyone have any any final thoughts on on him actually i, I would like to add something yes. I, I presume they've Portnoy is, is a pretty smart guy. If you watch yes. his videos, if you, if you, I mean, I mean, not the trading part, but just the way he communicates, the way he's built his social uh, media presence in less than a couple of weeks, he was already really famous. It's, it's, it, I think he's pretty smart. He's going to go down the rabbit hole. He's going to be back buying Bitcoin when Bitcoin goes to a new all-time high. He's again going to ask himself the question, what is this Bitcoin thing? And uh, yeah, like Guy said, he's going to bring a million and a half followers with him uh, down this rabbit hole. And um, yeah, it's going to be crazy when there's a new all-time high. And he's going to be the personification of people learning about Bitcoin. And uh, I'll, in, that in that respect, I like his honesty. People have a hard time accepting or, or actually telling that they've lost money and he's just open about it. And that's that honesty. That's I think it's valuable. Yeah. Most of these dudes do not tell an honest story. They're like, yeah, I made millions off of the DeFi, the DeFi, this, the DeFi. So let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And he is he is a smart guy. I think he is. I agree with that. But, you know, smart guys can be impulsive and make mistakes and uh also, no, no, no one is perfect. So pound that like button, everybody. Now, uh, I, I want to talk about the DeFi real, the real, real quick because it's been another. There have been th this thing; it, it moves at such a fast speed. The way these these pumps are happening and the the oddities around it that a coin is can be worth uh, more than one Bitcoin and just it's it's an, and the way people hype it up. But Zach Vol had an interesting take on that. Um, after years of the next Bitcoin and better Bitcoin token marketing. It's honestly refreshing to see so many purely meme-based tokens with decent volume on Uniswap. These coins lack pretense of legitimacy, and for that reason, I kind of like them. So it is kind of funny. If you, you go over to Uniswap, they, they, they do list some coins which are completely jokes, and they're not lying about what they are. They're like called Pump Coin, Pump DeFi. It's, it, it, it's ridiculous, but I'm starting to get that ICO uh, flavor again because the way the mainstream crypto media is covering these things, uh, it's making them seem a lot more legit than, than some of them are. And we, I mean, last I think last week we had the uh, what was it called? The one that uh, I'm going to call it Potato. What was it? What was the name? Yam. 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 Last week we had Yam. So where are we in the DeFi pumpage zone? Are, are, is there going to be a lot of wrecked uh, newbies ahead? Uh, we'll start with Tommy. Uh, I think the answer is yes uh, to, to, the, to that question. There's, uh, definitely tread carefully. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I lost a, a hell of a lot of uh, gas to, uh, to just dabble around with probably farming like 10 yams or something like i don't even know what i did but i uh, i tried to do some yamming 
and uh, <laughs> just just ended up getting absolutely wrecked as far as just I mean the you saw what it did to the to the gas fees on Ethereum like it's just you, you like the, the thing about a Ponzi scheme is if you didn't start it yourself or if you didn't know the guy that started it yourself or if you're not one of the first people to discover it, you're the guy who's getting wrecked and uh, feeding feeding those those people. So, uh, yeah, the, I'm sure the tech is uh, is cool. Maybe in some some cases, I do agree that it's refreshing to see these uh, these new ICOs or whatever you want you want to call them not trying to hide the fact that they're pump and dump Ponzi's, uh, not trying to claim that they're here to change the world and, and uh, you know, provide banking to third world countries, but instead be a little more transparent about the fact that this is a Ponzi based off of a meme. Uh, so that's refreshing, but I mean, that's exactly how you have to treat these things, so. Well, well I guess some are admitting that, but there are plenty here that are saying DeFi is going to save the freaking world, dude. Too. I mean, so we we we've, we've got two. I think Zach's point was a good point that some are just straight yeah, up. I mean, yeah, 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 didn't yeah, didn't tell the truth. I mean, oh, that was hard. Uh, hey, why didn't you try? Why didn't you experiment with it? T tell us your logic for uh, for dabbling into the yam. So, uh, so I work at Bitcoin Magazine, and I, I love my I love my job over here. Uh, we are a very one hundred percent Bitcoin company. Yes. We uh, a couple years back decided to stop covering even Ethereum, and uh, just go fully onto Bitcoin. But that doesn't prevent some of my coworkers who obviously have an ear to the ground uh, from finding out about these things. And then, of course, I find out uh, later on, and and uh, get the FOMO bug, and uh, and and. Definitely didn't try to shift any any real value into it or anything like that. But I did want to, you know, go through the motions of seeing what the hell it takes to participate. And uh, what I found out is that it takes a lot of gas. Uh, so you're going to lose, or you know, high gas fees with Ethereum. You're going to lose a lot of Ethereum to do it, and you're going to get wrecked. So, <laughs> or at least I got wrecked. Was this done on Uniswap? Did you do it on Uniswap? Uh, yeah, yeah. Most. And what is? I see. I again. I have not touched this stuff at all. But what do you think about this Uniswap thing? Is this going to get a lot of people into uh, into DeFi? Because I've I've heard different I've heard different things. I mean, it's it's super easy to just take ETH and then turn it into anything else. Like uh, uh, decentralized exchanges are, are are very very promising things if the if the unit uh, user experience is good. So I, I think. Uh, for as far as I can tell, the user experience is pretty pretty good. Uh, I mean, you ha if you're going to do something scammy like yams, you have to go and find the the contract uh, address and drop it in there, and then it'll give you a little warning and say like, "Are you sure this is where you want to send your send your funds?" But uh, so from my experience, uh, which is very limited experience and and shallow knowledge, I think it's uh, it's going to entice a lot of people to dabble for sure. Okay, this is I, I I like this real world story. He's scaring you straight, people. He's that's that I, I like honesty. We we're talking about Portnoy being honest. You were totally honest too about the whole situation. This is good. Instead of the people saying, Oh, it's the next best thing, I'm gonna be a millionaire because of it. No. All right. So uh, uh Guy Swan, your your take on uh the the DeFi, the latest in DeFi drama. So uh, I can't find any way that there's actually something useful going on in the whole orchestration. Um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe at some somewhere in the stack, there's something interesting for creating a decentralized exchange, uh, which you know might be a beneficial system, particularly when we're talking about like the ability to hedge in like stable coins or whatever. That just you know, you're you're hedging on the reputation of some company that's backing the stablecoin um uh but what i like i had a conversation with somebody on twitter and i was trying to i was trying to get somebody to tell me like what what's the value like who who's paying who for this supposed phenomenal yield that you can get because somebody came in and, like posted somewhere it says oh you can get a 50 to 150 percent uh interest rate like like return on the yield for providing liquidity and i was like okay well what are you providing liquidity for and somebody comes in and this this went on for like 
eight or nine different comments back and forth. And I kept trying to just get somebody to go further down the ladder. It's like, oh, you're providing liquidity for a pool and you're getting rewarded with yield. And I was like, yield in what? Who's paying like who's paying for the liquidity? What's the liquidity for? And it's like for exchanges to like other tokens and stuff, these one second loans. And I'm like a one second loan. All right. So somebody's paying a fee that's giving you 50%, 150%. Somebody paying double in a fee to make some sort of an exchange because that doesn't make any sense. Um, and then, and then finally we got down to the end of it and it was like, we exchanged and then we were like three tokens deep at this point in the conversation that somebody was literally uh, 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 locking up some sort of token to get paid in new, new, newly printed of those tokens in order to provide liquidity for a different token. I, I mean, it was, it was beyond stupid. It's like invest in my ICO and it's going to go up in price, but instead it was invest in my ICO that's wrapped in an ICO that's locked up in a pool of ICOs so that you can make a lot of money as the price goes up. Um, and then at the bottom of it, he was like, no, it was for this great exchange that allows people to swap these things. And look, there's $80 million worth of, of volume. And uh, so the total pool was a billion dollars supposedly of ethereum and there's 80 million dollars worth of volume that's supposedly funding this thing that might actually be some sort of useful trade happening at the bottom of it and let's say let's just be nice and say that there's a one percent fee for all of these exchanges with 80 million dollars in volume that's a eight hundred thousand that's eight hundred thousand dollars like that's supposedly the money that's backing all of this, which according to the $1 billion in liquidity that's locked up, that would be a 0.08% return, not the 50 to 150% return, which supposedly people are getting, which means the only reason any of this is doing anything is because people are buying the crap tokens. People are speculating on the fact that the token is going to go up in value, but it is straight up an ICO speculative token. Um, I don't see how there is anything going on underneath the hood. That it's just it's just a pump and dump. It's just a big elaborate pump and dump. You mentioned so many buzzwords in there. I think it's just a, they throw out the buzzwords at first, and then uh, people are like, "Oh, that I don't exactly get what these mean." But hey, sounds cool. But <laughs> it's the next big thing. It's I would I missed out on the ICO. I want to yeah. get in, in on this type of deal. I think a lot of people have. Uh, and while, while I got you here, do you know about this wrapped BTC thing? Why the heck are people putting their, well, they're, they're putting their BTC, they're wrapping their BTC and putting it on there so they can use the decentralized exchanges like the Uniswap to buy, um, to buy these things. But, but what do you think, what do you think about people? The, the, some people are just bragging like, oh, there's so much Bitcoin on, on Ethereum now. It's just an IOU. I think it's very, I think it's very dangerous, very dangerous type of stuff. Do you have a, do you have any take on that, uh, Guy Swan, the rat BTC? Yeah, it sounds like a horrible idea. Um, considering <laughs> the fact that, uh, uh, like right now fees on Ethereum are skyrocketing. Um, even though it was obviously supposed to scale to infinity, uh, as I'd heard for five years or whatever it is now. Um, and that, that turned out to not be even remotely true, um, which would have been obvious to anybody. Um, but, uh, that like, what, what's the benefit that you get lower fees because you don't, um, like, well, you're, you're, you're able to use Uniswap, I guess. Uh, that's the thing is they're probably just exchanging their Bitcoin or, or using their Bitcoin as collateral to get some, again, yes. one of these yield tokens and then get the 50 to 150% in the printed token. Um, but I'm sure it's collateral that will get eaten up. Um, if you ever have a situation like Yam, which that took like a week, it took like a week. It went there, like it skyrocketed up and it was like, oh, it was the, it was the bee's knees for like three days. And it was like, oh, oh, shucks, a 98% plummet. That is just unfortunate. It is dead. That was fun. Uh, what do we do this week, guys? <laughs> I, I, I want to read a quote from Vitalik even about this stuff. I continue to be worried about the fact that these RAP BTC bridges are trusted. I hope that they can at least move to a decently sized multi-sig. All right, so it's not, <laughs> again, it's it's an, you give your Bitcoin away to play in this space 
for some rap BTC, you're trusting someone. You're trying, I don't know why anyone would want to do this, but hey, hey, and by the way, Tommy, when you were on Uniswap, did you have to deal with this rap BTC stuff? No, I, I've never, uh, never done any wrapped BTC, okay. any of that. And but my, another question I have for you is: uh, Have you ever tried BISC uh, for for when we're talking about? And that's I mean, it's I'm going to tie it in. Why I'm asking you that question is because that's that's a decentralized exchange, BISC. Yeah, I, I feel like a noob, and I feel bad. They're uh, they're a great partner of our uh, of our company, but, but uh, no, I haven't. But, but the I reason haven't. I asked you the reason I asked you that question is because uh, I mean I, I want to know if. Uh, from what I saw with Uniswap, it looked like it was a lot easier than BISC. And that- I mean, yeah, it's really straightforward. There's like, as far as a, a dashboard goes, there's not much to, to, to learn. Uh, I mean, there, there, you definitely have to know what it is that you're doing, but it's not like, it's not like tricky to navigate. You know what I mean? All right, let's go. I, we've, we've had uh, Boris be quiet here now. I'm sure you have a lot to say about the DeFi stuff, so take it away. Well, the um, DeFi feels like 2017 again. It feels like the altcoin bubble. Uh, but the good thing about it is that I don't hear anybody saying stuff like uh, blockchain, uh, not Bitcoin. Um, they, they're, they're, I mean, they're doing something besides Bitcoin. I think that's very obvious. And even if you have a narrative like governments are going to crack down on Bitcoin or something like that, um, it doesn't make sense anymore. Not 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 in the same way that it did in 2017. So all these altcoins that promise to be a better Bitcoin or to fix some some sort of problem that Bitcoin was supposed to have, um, and that's that's how that that was their narrative. That was how they sold it. And now with this DeFi stuff, I think it's it's really hard to understand what's actually going on. Uh, they uh, how do you say that they they sort of hide the fact that it's that it's really nonsense by making it look like something really complicated uh, that you have to study before you understand it? Uh, like Guy said, it's it's just uh, uh, they just hide the fact that it's a Ponzi. Um, but I like that I like that it's not uh, entering the Bitcoin domain in a way it stays away it's gonna it's gonna completely wreck everybody that's uh, uh that that puts their money in it it's gonna probably also wreck ethereum uh, which is about time um there's uh but it's not gonna do anything uh bad for bitcoin or maybe it won't bring a lot of people into bitcoin like in a way 2017 and the altcoin bubble did people learned their lesson and became bitcoiners maybe that won't happen now with defi but on the other hand it really doesn't bother me i'm blind to it it doesn't exist for me uh if people tell me about it i just chuckle and <laughs> move along it's really not for me um you, you were talking about bisco i i used bisc back in the days and the reason why you would use BISC is because it was uh, one of the few ways you could uh, get a KYC free Bitcoin, um, at least here in Europe. And that was uh, that's really interesting. They they have I, I used it way before they, um, they 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 had their own token. Um, and their hard part and the big difference with Uniswap is that you can actually trade fiat to Bitcoin and Bitcoin to fiat with BISC. And that's that means that you need some sort of centralized place where you accept the fiat and they've built something around that and that that was kind of interesting but there was there wasn't a lot of liquidity it was really hard to actually get your trades going um i tried it it was okay but there were better ways to get kyc free bitcoin uh so but with that in mind since you've seen uniswap and bisc which is uniswap a lot easier I haven't tried Uniswap. No, I just uh, I've I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it mentioned, but like I said, it's not for me. Because what, what I'm saying is, if there are people out there that want to get some no KYC cryptocurrency, what they're going to use the easier thing, and the easier thing appears to be Uniswap, and that is totally centralized around these Ethereum and tokens and and and, and uh, DeFi. So. Um, there's there's so many people in our Bitcoin uh, Twitter Bitcoin Twitter ecosystem that rave and rave about BISC and this that and the other. It's it can be a pain and slow. And I, I played around there too. It's it's not something that's going to create uh, mass adoption. The BISC thing, uh, excuse me, the the uh, Uniswap thing 
it, it could get a lot of people, but they're going to end up not with the real thing. They're not, they're not going to end up with Bitcoin that way. So uh, I'm just pointing out that for people that are interested in no KYC, it seems like the options out there right now, they, they might end up with a no KYC altcoin instead of a no KYC Bitcoin. But well, well, yeah, well I think there's actually, there's actually a good reason for the difference between those two things and uh, potentially ease of use. Um, even though there's there's a lot to just the programming and stuff of it that makes uh, like something like MetaMask or whatever really easy to use. Um, but when you compare it to BISC, like you think about what the whole goal of it is, is they're printing tokens to provide liquidity and they're printing tokens to incentivize people to provide liquidity. And what's the biggest headache with BISC? No liquidity. Like, so you can't print the, you can't print Bitcoin to make it appear as if there's always somebody on the other side of the trade with BISC. It's actually a decentralized exchange where you got to find a buyer for every seller. Whereas if you can just print tokens out of thin air um, and you're betting on the fact that somebody's just, a whole bunch of people are speculating on the token, well, then you can just have what appears to be infinite liquidity, but it's infinite liquidity until the whole thing goes up in flames. So, that's kind of been my experience with BISC is it's just, you just got to have somebody on the other side of the trade. Um, and that's hard to do. You're, you're having to bootstrap a whole network. It's really easy when you can just print tokens out of thin air. And, and BISC again, as Boris pointed out, they're doing one thing that Uniswap can't do. And it's, well, it, it leads to centralization on, on one end and that's dealing with fiat. They do accept fiat. And so that complicates uh, matters over there also. Uh, all right, so let's let's move on to a very quick question. That's a flashback to last week. It's it's still in my head. The the micro strategy news. Uh, this is a real simple question. We'll start with Guy since you were just talking. Uh, is was the micro strategy uh, news uh, the biggest uh, Bitcoin news of the year? Uh, in my opinion, without a doubt. Without um, a doubt. The uh, I just did a guys take episode on this, um, probably about 45 minutes just talking about like what this meant, um, because micro strategies entry into the, the Bitcoin space was fundamentally different than all of the main institutional players we've seen so far, like backed uh, fidelity, uh, the CME. Um, like, like all these institutions that have gotten, that started to dip their, their toes in the water. They're what I refer to as doing the equivalent of selling shovels during the gold rush. They're providing a product for people they realize are wanting a service. Here's a way that I can get in on fees on this new market that all these people are playing in. Um, and they want to come and they want to play, they want to sell the toys. Um, and uh, this is basically across the board. And then when you look at the other institutional investors like Paul Tudor Jones, like the investors who are actually making the the um, the assessment from like a macro environment and looking at Bitcoin as a potentially an inflation hedge, they're like, OK, 2 percent, 3 percent. It's really smart for me to have a very small allocation into Bitcoin micro strategy is not selling toys. They're not getting into the exchange business. They're an enterprise analytics company. They sell software to businesses to, uh, to do analysis on where they can save money and you know improve things. So they have nothing to do with Bitcoin. They're not selling a Bitcoin product. And they are looking at the micro, I mean, the, the macro environment. And they, they did an assessment. They looked at holding the global reserve currency, dollars, dollars in cash in their treasury reserve for $500 million worth. And they compared it to holding Bitcoin as a reserve asset. And after making their analysis and accepting the fact that they're going to have a more volatile future in their reserves, that it was smarter for them to hold for their principal holding in their treasury reserves to be Bitcoin. That more than half of their reserves are now in a digital global money. And that is, that's the first in a domino of people realizing that that, that, is, that is leaps and bounds from, I need a small exposure to it because uh, it might be an inflation hedge. That in my mind is a monetization event. That is what a reserve asset is used for. I could not have said it better. They are setting the tone 
And yes, I also feel it was the biggest Bitcoin news of the year so far. I hope someone out does it, but I, I can't see anything competing with it that's that's passed. So oh, uh, oh. one one last thing is that every CEO and every company that is thinking about or was just considering dipping their toes in the water, but thought it was too risky. The day after this happened and over the next five days, their stock went up 17% on this announcement that they had purchased 21,454 Bitcoin, $250 million worth, 17% stock increase. Everybody is going to be taking a second look because that, that not only is that a long-term hedge, but it's also potentially a huge short-term benefit if you're early enough in the game. So Heck yeah. again, Pound that like button. Tommy, what did you think it was the biggest news? Your take on this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really uh, say it any better than Guy just did, but uh, I'm, I'm totally bullish on the news. I think it's 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 huge news. Uh, in my mind, it's like if you got the Fortune 500 right now or you got the Fortune 50, uh, there's going to be a, a new Fortune 50 uh, when the, you know, Bitcoin <laughs> flippens the whole fiat system. So, like, to, to be... Uh, one of those first companies to really go all in, like you're, you're basically cementing your place in, in, in the future of, uh, you know, business in general. So uh, I think great move. Uh, a restaurant in Canada followed suit shortly. We, we wrote oh, a yeah. article about that. Uh, and uh, I think they can expect uh, a lot more customers probably. So, I mean, I, yeah, I'm bullish on, on that being one of the first dominoes to fall and uh it's it's huge news all right let's uh let's hear from europe here boris what was your take on uh on this was it the biggest bitcoin news of the year yeah no i'm not so sure about that um i however i do absolutely love the way that uh microstrategy ceo michael saylor executed this whole thing um it's actually uh, the big deal is that this company is a SP 500 company and uh, there's there's loads of other companies who've done Bitcoin stuff or actually hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet, uh, on their balance sheet. But if you look at uh, uh, the European situation, especially here in the Netherlands, for instance, I've talked to a lot of uh, businesses about doing stuff like this. And the first thing that they come up with is that it is um, it it brings on a lot of uh, tax uh, uh, problems, basically. I mean, if Bitcoin goes up, you're going to pay uh, an, an, a heavy tax on the profit that you make, but you still have the Bitcoin. So you need to sell the Bitcoin to do that. So what you will always do as a business, if you come in contact with Bitcoin, you will uh, take out uh, the Bitcoin in the form of dividend and make sure that it's in the hands of the owners or the shareholders or whatever, but not in the. Uh, it's not registered to the, to the company. However, there's one exception, and that is when you expect Bitcoin to go down that because then it works the other way around uh, when you hold bitcoin on your balance sheet and bitcoin goes down your company is going to make a loss uh, but you will still the loss is deductible but you will still have the same amount of bitcoin which is really interesting i've seen companies do that and actually i thought that was way smarter uh, uh, to go about it uh, but anyway the fact that this guy uh, michael saylor uh, who's actually uh, kind of a visionary guy he wrote a book about uh i think about uh, uh mobile intelligence or something he's he's pretty ahead of his time so i like the way that a company of this size actually executed this the way that he did it it was it was flawless and the effect on the stock price i think that is what will open a lot of people's eyes because i personally i, I wouldn't have expected to go up that much because of this uh it also means that a lot of investors uh, share his ideas about Bitcoin, and that is absolutely wonderful. All right. Well, since we're, we're talking about uh, investors real quick here, er, we'll, we'll move on from a visionary type of guy. Now, by the way, this sailor dude back in 2013, he said he didn't like Bitcoin, but he changed his mind. He changed his mind. He moved on. He's a smart guy. Great future ahead of him. Now, uh, earlier this week, I talked about Warren Buffett because all these people were asking me about Warren Buffett. And I don't, I just feel like Warren Buffett has nothing to do with Bitcoin. And I don't, I like uh, Boris, you don't, you don't pay attention to the, the DeFi tokens. Uh, I don't pay attention to Warren Buffett, but he bought gold or he bought something to do with gold and everyone started spazzing out. Uh, so I'll have a simple question for everybody on the panel. <laughs> does, does Warren Buffett matter <laughs> in, in our space? Uh, Boris, we'll start with you. 
No, I don't think he matters. The only thing is that Bitcoiners tend to look outside. You know, the herd is coming. We're waiting for it. We're looking for the signs. Uh, MicroStrategy buying Bitcoin is a sign. Buffett buying Bitcoin would be a huge sign. But it doesn't matter for Bitcoin. If he even, uh, if he ever buys it, he will probably probably do DeFi or something like that or some some exchange thing. He will, he will never hold Bitcoin himself. Um, no, he's too old for that. And the company is way too uh, uh, too conservative to do something like that. He doesn't. I think it's, it. instead of DeFi, you meant like GBTC, like a fund that holds Bitcoin, something mm. exchange traded type of thing. Yeah, something very conservative. Uh, hey, who cares what he does? Does He's one person, everyone. And, and like he makes a move with gold and people try to tie it in with Bitcoin and say, well, Warren Buffett doesn't believe in the banking system anymore. So he bought gold. So that's good for Bitcoin. You really need that confirmation, dudes. You really need that. Uh, okay, but I'm not going to give my opinion. Uh, Guy, what's your uh, opinion on uh, Warren Buffett? Um, Warren Buffett has historically, like, he he has never really been good at uh, analyzing tech or understanding its value. Um, I mean, like, kind of famously, he didn't buy Apple for, like, 20 years or something ridiculous like that um i can't remember when it was but it was actually not even that far back that he finally bought apple um and uh he he goes for crazy conservative um very long term slow he's looking to maintain and grow value in extremely like profit and loss what is what is producing what um, and he holds in cash when he thinks things are in bubbles, like, like historically, like people gave him a bunch of crap, like in 2006 and 2007, because he missed like 40% increases in the stock market. Um, and he was just holding cash through that whole thing. And then the collapse came and he was there to buy everything up. Like, wow. Like, you know, stuff dropped. 50%, 60%, and he was buying because he was the only one sitting on cash while everybody else was having a liquidity crisis. Um, so he is famously that sort of an investor. And because of that, I don't think he'll touch Bitcoin for ages. Um, it'll probably be 10 years um, after it. it's so stupid obvious that you should have a position in Bitcoin. That's when he'll buy it. Um, and uh, <laughs> if he's still around, what is the guy, 90 seven i don't know he's, he's almost 90 he's almost he's 90 infinitely yet. old it seems like so um uh he may never himself buy bitcoin who knows but it's just inherently it, it's something that's way too risky and way too outside of his like overton window to buy that said the one thing that's interesting about him buying gold is that it does indicate that he is fully aware of the macro environment is that uh cash of any sort fiat currency is a garbage place to keep your capital um because and he is famous for being the one that's always got boatloads of cash the fact that he's dumping that is actually a big signal and the fact that he knows i'm not going into treasury bonds because they're all negative like there's negative yielding debt all over the place he's scared so he's he's divesting from basically the financial system that is actually an indication that that does support Bitcoin um, uh, in, in a sense that, you know, the the waters are rough in just the nature of the whole financial system. And there's, in my opinion, there's no better hedge against the whole thing than Bitcoin. It runs on its own infrastructure for crying out loud. Uh, you know, banks all go down overnight. Uh, my Lightning Network stuff works great. My mobile, nothing changes for me. So that, that that's what I think is actually interesting there at least. All right, uh, Tommy, you're the you're definitely not 90 years old. So let's get a youthful uh, perspective on the 90 year old. And uh, would do people uh, look too much for confirmation in this space from Warren Buffett? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think if if Warren Buffett was smart at this point, he'd be buying Bitcoin and not not telling anyone about it. Uh, but he's probably not going to do that. Um, I, I I can buy the narrative that uh, him buying gold is good good for Bitcoin. I I don't need a narrative to to understand that the fiat system is is shit and it's gonna collapse. And I mean, the, the, what he should have been doing is investing in uh, asteroid miners or whatever. Because like uh, as we learned recently, like the the gold is gonna be raining like sand from the skies. So so like he's. Uh, 
he's out of step. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's too old. Uh, I think, uh, if, if he does say that he's into Bitcoin, then hurry up and buy as many sats as you humanly can, because, uh, that will be a, a really bullish signal, but I don't think he's going to, I mean, he can't drink the rat poison. Like he's not going to do that. Out. Now you're, you're over there in, in media, in Bitcoin media land. And I wanted to get your take on the headline uh, that deals with Bitcoin. Uh, this is from Bloomberg, and uh, I, I stated what I thought about it earlier this week. Let's cryptocurrencies post biggest decline in two months. That's the headline they use. That's the headline they use uh, for you know. It was recently Bitcoin just went down, just just a couple of days ago or whatever. And right currently, it's going down. So what, what do you think about? Uh, the mainstream media's take on, on on Bitcoin, coming from your perspective at Bitcoin Magazine, about a headline like that, which is a pretty bogus headline. Cryptocurrencies post biggest decline in two months. It doesn't really give uh, the perspective. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely not a whole lot of context in with that uh, with that headline. I'd, I'd like to know what the image was. Did they put an image of Bitcoin or because like. Yeah, obviously your your viewers are are pretty well educated at this point. They they understand the difference between cryptocurrencies and and DeFi and uh, Bitcoin. Uh, and it, yeah, that that Bloomberg headline is obviously all encompassing or trying to be. And uh, I mean, they're just they're just trying to have clickbait. I don't I don't blame them. Like that's, that's their game, but. Uh, that's their game. Pound that like button for being straight up honest about the situation. All right. So something that the uh, the mainstream media does, uh, they do understand just pure numbers. Okay. Um, they that art, unfortunately that article didn't put it in perspective that you know Bitcoin was just a, a few months ago it was down to five thousand. Uh, so I mean you did pretty well if when everybody was panicking thinking the world was over if you got into Bitcoin then but of course no it, it's it's dropped twenty percent or whatever right and and honestly like with the whole the headline used to be that cryptocurrency is too volatile to to touch and now now a twenty percent drop in two months is supposed to be a headline like it, it's almost it, it doesn't make sense as a headline if they're trying to say that that's a a bad thing it's almost like a hurry up and buy the dip headline in my opinion. Well, we're, we're sticking with uh, sticking with the numbers here. Uh, one, one thing, and I don't like to, uh, again, I, I know that one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. That's how I value it. I know we're one day closer to an all-time high. I don't care if the all-time high happens tomorrow or if it happens on, in 2021. It doesn't bother me at all. But there are people out there that love to hear about numbers because it's clickbait. They need confirmation. They need Adam Meister to say, it'll be 14,000 one day. Don't worry. Um, but here. Uh, the, the monthly close, we're getting close to the monthly close, uh, and the record for the monthly close for Bitcoin was uh, $14,000. Uh, and people are saying that once it breaks that record again, we're going to the moon. And that's probably pretty, there's logic behind that. Uh, for, for the panel, since we're going we're gonna to give it 80% of our question to all you guys, <laughs> do, do you think that is possible? Uh, for, for this month, when when do you, do you think the record could be a broke for for a monthly close at the end of this month, or uh, or are we just one day closer to it? So uh, I, since Tommy's on, what do you think? What have you heard about this? So the, you're asking, are we going to reach the monthly close, or are we going to reach the month or the monthly high and then go to the moon from there? Just just uh, part one, just to say yeah. So uh, I going all the way back to Portnoy. I think his little DeFi misadventure or whatever, it, like hopefully a lot of his his followers uh, didn't lose a lot of money from from that. But hopefully they le like learn about Bitcoin from this. So I, there are a lot of bullish indicators in in the mainstream media lately, like that you know people are being red pilled, and you know it's you know it's a snowball effect. So. Uh, if we see recent highs, you know, do we need to see the a new all time high in order to blow two new all time highs? Like maybe 14k is is what it takes to. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a guy that that really analyzes the numbers. I'm more of the, you know, overall effervescence uh, sentiment. But I, I'm always. I'm a permable. So, I, I mean, if we see four, if we see 1500. Or fifteen thousand Bitcoin. Uh, I, I'm going to be buying as much as I can of that that price. Oh now! All right, uh, Boris, do you have any uh, comments on uh, 
possible uh, August 31st monthly close? Is this is this the beginning of the, the bull run? Yes, it certainly feels like that. I mean, we're going to see another round of stimulus. The ECB is going to keep printing. The Fed is going to keep printing. All that money's got to go somewhere. And uh, it, 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 last time it seemed to go to Bitcoin. It will definitely go to Bitcoin because people will start realizing that all this money printing is going to lead to inflation. And uh, even if people don't literally understand the, the, the workings of that, they feel like something's wrong. And uh, that that's, that eerie feeling is going to lead people to Bitcoin. Uh, and whether it's now this month or next month, it's going to happen. Uh, um, actually going to 14 or 15,000, I don't think it's a big deal. What actually, what I do think is a big deal is that we're going to see the third red dot on plan B stock to flow model, uh, which means that we're still on track for the, what was it? The $100,000 target by the end of next year, uh, which is very bullish, I think. All right. So, Guy, you can comment on price if you want to. But what I really want you to talk about, uh, because we're getting close to the end of the show, is Taproot and Wumbo and Lightning Network, all, all that stuff. It's tech time. Tech time, part of the show with Guy Swan. Take it away. All right. Um, so uh, just one comment on the on the price thing is that is that possible by the end of this month? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of those psychological barriers that are actually really important. Um, and a monthly close, closing at an all-time high, uh, would be a big deal. But I feel like, regardless, it's it'll be next month or the one after that. Like, like it's just kind of a matter of time. Like, like he said, just just then, is that like the the environment is just set up for it. Nobody's printing. Nobody's gonna stop printing money. Um, like we're we are primed for a heck of a bull run. But, you know, we went from 9,900 to 11,400 in one day, like on the run up here. Um, and then it took two days to go back, like after we had retraced a little bit to go from 11,000 to 12,100. Like, so we could go, I, I mean, if we had one day sideways, it could be three days and we could be at 14,000. Like Bitcoin just moves like that. Um, so without a question, we could close the month at 14K. Um, but and we could go down too. It just, you know, who knows? Bitcoin does what Bitcoin does. Um, but uh, so uh, tech talk. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm crazy excited about Taproot. Um, there, there seems to be still just kind of everybody's like mulling on uh, how to actually implement it. Um, Taproot, though, uh, just for anybody who doesn't know specifics, the, the general overview is that it's a... It's a new type of uh, signature. Um, this soft fork is what would get us uh, what's referred to as Schnorr signatures. Um, but it's basically a way to put, like right now when you're like writing a script on Bitcoin, is that the entire script is open and published. So like you would do like, oh, I need two of the following signatures, like two of three, and then you would post three different signatures. So all of that has to go on the actual blockchain. Whereas with Schnorr and Taproot, you can do that behind one signature. So it's a huge space savings. And more importantly, you can't see what's behind it because it's just one signature. It's just, it's just a hash. So it doesn't tell you anything about it. You can have it be a 99 of 100 uh, multi-sig account and it literally just like a looks like a one signature transaction just like anything else and that's a huge benefit to the lightning network in particular if uh, clients started taking advantage of that because it means channel opening and closings and you know all these multi-sig contracts it's got like two inputs to two outputs and uh, you know three signatures and all this complexity just look like any other transaction like it, it, it suddenly, we can't even really look at how big the lightning network is, which kind of sucks in some ways, but it's amazing in the other to think about what level of privacy you can get that your channels can't even be identified. Um, and, uh, and then at the same time, obviously it's a much lower load on the actual chain because you've got to publish like a tiny amount of data in comparison to all the complexity prior to that. Um, and of course, there's a whole lot of down the road after we have Taproot, we can do 10 other things that just aren't possible until we do it. Um, so it's a huge 
upgrade, um, in my opinion. And it's, it's the first step to like four or five other really, really great improvements. And since I am so completely in love with the Lightning Network and it's such a benefit for the Lightning Network, I want it to happen like yesterday. Um, uh, the big news with Lightning uh, recently is uh, Wumbo, which isn't really uh, like we actually got it with one of the clients not too long ago. I think it was C Lightning was the first one to do it. Um, but LND is the big Lightning client and it was it's the one that has now released Wumbo. What is Wombo? Uh, uh, there's a limit on channel size. Why? Because uh, you don't want to lock up too much money in something that's experimental. It says it's basically a statement that you know it's risky to use the Lightning Network. Let's not uh, let's not overextend ourselves. There might be some sort of a problem. So what does Wombo mean? Uh, right right now that limit was 0.16. Um, so uh, 0.16 Bitcoin was the largest channel that you could have. Um, so Wumbo is basically a sign that says, all right, most of the kinks are worked out. The security is way less of an issue. It looks like everything is working consistently. Um, uh, let's take that next step and start opening huge liquidity channels on this network and really see what we can do. Let's open up one Bitcoin channels, two Bitcoin channels, um, and, and that sort of thing. And it's going to make it's going to make payment reliability skyrocket in my opinion because the really big routing nodes will be able to open themselves up to you'll have you'll have routes for payments like e even now like i will still on occasion have like a six hundred dollar or seven hundred dollar payment on um uh lightning network will not go through just because even though i have the liquidity there's just not a good route for that much money um and uh, whereas my $20 payments, my $50 payments go through, you know, without breaking a sweat. Um, and with the ability to just have huge capacity channels, it's going to open up those large payments to just always having one other route to find. Um, and, and I think it's I think it's going to make a big deal in just uh, general routing and reliability on this payment layer. And with Strike. Um, in the state that it is and how much I love to use them and fold and my breeze wallet and stuff. I'm really excited because it's already incredibly reliable. And to think that just a couple of times I'll have a problem, like once at every 20 payments or something, uh, to think that that might start going away, even that, even there, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm completely jacked. Like the, the big problems I've had with lightning are getting my bank connected to strike. That's been my problem is the banking system. So, all right. Now you're you're gonna leave a little bit earlier than the, the other guest here. So I just want to give you uh, uh, some conclusionary remarks. Talk about uh, your reading on the podcast and, and where the, all these dudes are linked to below. By the way, all their Twitter. So follow them on Twitter. They give links there all the time. But uh, say what you're up to and anything else that you wanted to talk about. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, my, my what I really thought was like the coolest news recently was micro strategy. Um, I, I really just thought that was like a big deal. Um, and I did a guy's take episode on the podcast, which is Bitcoin Audible, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and I try to cover all of this stuff in as deep a detail as I can. Um, the main format of the show for anybody who doesn't know is I read all the best stuff in Bitcoin. Um, I've got 430 reads. It's just audible for everything written about Bitcoin everywhere. Um, and all the new announcements, all the new tech, um, uh, the fascinating pieces like Breed Loves, Masters and Slaves of Money um, uh, that we just dug into recently. Such a good piece. Um, literally anything you possibly want to uh, learn about Bitcoin is is there. Like I do it every day. Um, so uh, check out the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at either Bitcoin Audible or The Crypto Economy. But uh, yeah, Lightning is awesome. I'm so jacked about where we are at the state of Lightning right now. Um, and I think to, God, to, to, to see it like starting to really improve and get better from here, I, mean, I use it every day. Um, and I'm just I'm just loving it. That's where all my that's where all my spendable Bitcoin is now. Um, so I think lightning is going to be amazing uh, in the next six months. What happens with that? So I would keep a very, very close eye on it. Well, we, we love 
your Lightning Network uh, updates that you always provide us, your the tech corner that uh, you have here. So I'll, I will let you go early because I know you got to get out of here, but we'll we'll stick with the other guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, man. Hi, Swan. You, you Good talking, it. guys. You rock it. All right. So B- Boris, uh, do you have anything to say about anything that Guy just said? I mean, he talk, I, I don't know if you have anything to say about Lightning Network, uh, but I do want you to bring up Stekin again and please talk about anything. You can talk about anything now, anything that was left out and, about your podcast, which is uh, – not in English, so. Uh. Uh, yeah, I do a podcast with uh, with Arm van Weerdem. We do it in Dutch, so uh, um, I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable in Dutch. So uh, you gotta have to learn Dutch if you want to listen to that podcast. But we talk about uh, we talk about lightning a lot. I think it's really important. We have in Holland uh, this this uh, startup uh, called Stacking.com, S-T-E-K-K-I-N-G.com. And they allow you to uh, basically stack sets. Uh, um, you, you get you get sets back for every purchase that you do uh, with certain shops. They, they already have, I don't know, they have 10,000 plus shops connected, including AliExpress, which is really huge here. Um, and you get your sets back over Lightning. Uh, these guys are bosses. Uh, they, um, I think, uh, I just heard that uh, uh, the guy from um, uh, Ruben from... Uh, um, uh, he had a something like Swan Bitcoin. Uh, we we had that here in uh, in Europe. Uh, he had a service like that where you could basically like dollar cost average into Bitcoin. He had to uh, stop that um, that company because of the uh, the AMLD five regulations. I think we talked about that in the previous episode. And I think he just joined the stacking team. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good news. Um, yeah, what 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 guys said. I mean, I'm I'm really excited, not just about the technology, but if you look what happened in the last year, two years, maybe year and a half, something like that, after the last bull run, it it quieted down, and all this development took place. Not just Lightning. I mean, Lightning is awesome, but also if you look at the uh, the the multi sig solutions that are out there. I just tried out uh, Lily Wallet, which just came out of beta. It's uh, 1.0 uh, came out. It's a wallet that allows you to use different uh, hardware wallets uh, and set up, uh, make a multi sig setup, and it works. Awesome! I love it. It's so simple, and it's the UX is intuitive. It 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 looks beautiful, and this is these are the kind of tools that we were missing maybe two three years ago, and during this bear market, I mean I don't, I don't I didn't even experience it as a bear market because I don't care about price that much anymore. But if you see all the development that took place over the last year and a half, it's absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, I'm super bullish for that. So if we hit a new all-time high uh, after this month or after this year, whatever, and, and everybody goes completely crazy again, at least Bitcoin has has really transformed into something new. Like we really leveled up. There's so much going on. There's so much technical stuff uh, that's actually made Bitcoin a better, uh, yeah, a better asset. It's, it's amazing. And I have linked to stacking.com below so everyone can see it again. If you're in Europe, uh, you, you can deal with them. All right. So, uh, Tommy, you, you're going to get the final word here. Anything you want to talk about, promote Bitcoin Magazine, anything. The floor is yours. Okay. There, there's a lot that I want to promote. So I'm going to have a suspenseful thing right here. I got to plug my computer in. So give me two seconds and I'm going to promote a bunch of shit or oh. stuff. Sorry. Oh, dude, he's, he's keeping us in suspense. What is the big news that he's got to share with all of us here in This Week in Bitcoin land? Remember, this show is every freaking Friday, people. So subscribe to the channel and check out yesterday's show was awesome, dudes. It's linked to below. Continue. Okay. Uh, well, so over here at Bitcoin Magazine, we, uh, we have been working on actually a tech product called Carrot. And I'm super excited about that. I got to plug that. Uh, basically what carrot is and you can go to earncarrot.com it, you just answer surveys and you get sats it's that simple so uh, it's basically our, our play to give away a lot of Bitcoin and uh, and to help companies uh, get give away Bitcoin basically in order to to gather feedback or ha- have their uh, you know community perform some sort of task and uh, it's all Bitcoin native all coded from scratch right here in Nashville. 
Uh, I don't have a ton to do with it. I'm on the, the media side of our, our company, and uh, but we've got a great product team that's been working hard on that. So I got to plug that, uh, earncarrot.com. And uh, also Bitcoin 2021. Uh, I'm wearing a Bitcoin 2019 shirt right here. I, uh, I hope a lot of uh, your listeners got a chance to go there. Bitcoin 2021 is going to be in LA next year. And uh, if you haven't uh, heard or if you haven't seen anything about that, go to b.tc slash conference uh, and just check out Bitcoin 2021. All right. Uh, any, anything else before there, we close this video? There, there is one more thing. Uh, Bitcoin Black Friday. So we uh, we are reviving Bitcoin Black Friday, which was presumed dead, but because Bitcoin never dies, neither does Bitcoin Black Friday. So uh, Bitcoin Black Friday is, is uh, the website where you get Black Friday deals uh, if, or use Bitcoin to buy things and get deals. And uh, you can check that out. We're going to be launching the, the V1 of the site uh, in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned with that. All right. Very good. You guys are in motion over there in Nashville, keeping it real. And God willing, we can have a you can have a huge event in Los Angeles next year. People won't be freaking out about current events uh, at, at that time. Everyone will have calmed down by then, uh, God willing. So that's it. That's the end of the show, everybody. We do this every freaking Friday. You get a new show on this channel every day. DisruptMeister.com, TechBalt.com. Follow me on Twitter at TechBalt, T-E-C-H. B-A-L-T. Make sure you check out yesterday's show because I did it a little later than usual. Everything is linked to, below. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. Shabbat Shalom. Everybody have a great weekend. Saturday night, we do the show on the backup channel, so make sure you subscribe to the backup channel. And thank you very much, guest. It was a rocking good time.